0: Well, good morning, Kingdom Culture Church. I wish I could be with you in person, and I just want you to know that I have been and we have been praying for you here in the States for everything that you as a people are walking through. I genuinely believe, though, out of this time, out of this crushing, out of this pressing, out of this difficult season, that you are all walking through together, that we collectively as a planet have walked through together, but you guys are still in a very different season. I really do see that in that crushing and in that pressing that God is, yes, I'm going to sing the song, Making New Wine, but Genuinely, I believe that he is giving you a new wineskin. He is giving you new wine and that the Acts Church, like the book of Acts Church, is really going to come out of who you are as a people. I'm believing that a great revival will flow out of who you are. And I want to say to you in this time, do not give up. Do not lose heart. Continue to lean in, not just to the word, but into prayer. Continue to ask God to see how he sees. I am really honored to be a part of this series that you guys are doing as a church and I love the Gabby's so much. Your pastors are phenomenal. Support them, pray for them. But I am gonna get into a word today about transition and change. And I pray that it really encourages you, puts hope into you, inspires you to continue to move forward and also truly to become more like Christ in this season that we find ourselves in on planet Earth. So why don't I just take some time to pray for you all and for the word before we get into it. Well, Father God, we love you and we trust you. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with every change that we are walking through, every change that the church on the planet is going through, God, what a year, what a couple of years it has been. We submit this time to you. I ask God that wherever people are leaning in from, watching from, that you would speak directly to their hearts, to their situation, to the place that they find themselves in. I ask that you would take this word and you would lead my every word, that you would have your way in our lives in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, wherever you're joining us from today, if you're taking notes, the name of this message is called The Teacher Name Transition. Transition is something that I am frustrated with, but very passionate about and passionate about doing it well. You know, if you look at planet Earth over 2020 and now 2021, even, it feels like we are in this constant shift and place of transition where things are always changing, where the church is changing, which means our lives are changing, where it feels like we can't necessarily grip on to anything. But how do we walk with inspiration again? How do we take heart? How do we get up one more time after it feels like we have been in the boxing ring round after round after round trying to not get knocked out, but get back up again. And I, I pray that today, as I bring this message, that you would be inspired, you would be encouraged, and you would continue in strength as the body of believers. You know, about three years ago, we were in a major transition ourselves, and um. My parents who helped us plant the church here in New York City actually knew that it was time for them to transition out of New York City, and it had been such a beautiful season of having them here with us. They helped us raise our then small kids who are now massive now, and they really helped pastor the church, but they were ready to transition out of New York City back to California, and that felt like a death to me. There was a lot of shifting and changing going on in the church, walking through different betrayals and pain, shifting with our staff and our culture and our team, I mean. I mean, that feels constant, doesn't it? Even as a leader in the church, but it was one of those things where you know it's always deeply personal and it hurts really bad. And then there was um, the most devastating thing that we have walked through together as a couple. My husband's mom, at that in that season, was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. And I remember we lost her in that season. We lost my mom and dad in that season to um, the other coast. And we said goodbye to Jenny and released her into eternity. And it felt like, my goodness, what is going on with our lives? It feels like there is so many endings and we're transitioning into so many new things. And I remember being in that season going, God, when will it end? Like, I don't wanna do this anymore. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak so clearly to me and say, Andy, you have been crying out for change you have been crying out for new dreams new hope new mission and i'm giving it to you but the shifting and the changing just doesn't feel like you thought it would Anybody else feel like that over the last year and a half where you're like, God, I was crying out for new hope, new relationships, new dreams. We love the idea of new, don't we? We want new things to happen, new adventures, new growth, new cities, new jobs, new, new, new. We cry out to God for all of these things. But what does that mean? It means that we will walk through transition. It means that we will walk through pain. It means that we will walk through a shifting of a season where we let go and grieve things and hold on to new new things. And the truth is, as human beings, what do we try to do most of our lives? We are trying to avoid pain. We are trying to avoid hard things. I mean, just ask me. I know I hate tests. Anybody else hate tests or do you like love them? Are you one of those people you're like, no, I love studying. I love taking tests. You know, when I was uh, 15 years old, I got my driver's permit and then I got my license at 16. And when I was 22, I moved to Sydney, Australia and had to transition my license over to an Australian license. So I lost my U.S. license thinking I was going to be in Australia forever because my husband, if you don't know, he's Australian, lived there for nearly 10 years. And then God called us to New York City to plant a church. And And when we moved here, you guys, we've been here for 11 years. But I have to tell you something. I don't have my driver's license. I only have my permit. Why? Because I don't wanna take the driving test where there is a man or a woman that sits in that seat and tells me what I'm doing wrong or right. I don't like the stress or the pressure of sitting in that seat to take the test. Now, I know I need to, because I now have a 15-year-old son who is probably gonna get his license before me, so I need to get onto it and face the pressure of the test. But the truth is when transition comes in our lives, It's a little bit like this testing, these trials, the things out of James chapter 1 that tells us to count all joy when our faith is tested. I'm like, what? There's a test for our faith? I'm a little bit mad about that. But the truth is that's when the shifting and the changing comes. That's when we grow. That's when we mature. And I feel like the body of Christ is in a time of maturity if we will lean into it. Have you ever noticed though, have you ever watched people while they're on a plane? I love watching people on airplanes because I feel like it shows what's going on inside of them. It comes out, especially when there's delays. Now think about it. An airplane is a place of transition. It's a place where we go from point A to point B. But many things happen on a plane and many personalities are on a plane. I mean, I remember this one specific delay that we had and this woman got on the plane and I was like, oh, here comes trouble. You know when you can just tell? And I sat back and grabbed my popcorn and began to watch the show because we had delay after delay after delay. And I'm not gonna lie to you. I just put on my headphones and watched a movie because I didn't have my kids on that trip asking me questions. So I was enjoying the delay. I knew we were gonna get to our destination. I wasn't in a hurry. I knew we would get there. But this woman, she was yelling at everyone going, you're lying to me. Tell us what's really happening. She was so angry. The poor flight attendants were like, we're not lying to you, ma'am. Like there is a delay. And I remember this couple had a baby that was sitting in front of her. Every time that baby made a noise, that woman was like, ugh, oh, like getting so aggressive and angry. And that poor, those parents were like doing the big baby bounce, like trying to keep their baby quiet, like please don't make a sound. This woman might hurt us. Then I started to watch my husband. And if you know my husband, some of you may not, but honestly, he is a straight shooter and when he's had enough, he will say something. And this one was going on and on. I was like, oh, she better be quiet. He's about to say something to her. And he started to get all agitated in his seat and he goes, excuse me. And the look on her face and her husband that was sitting next to her, she couldn't believe someone was addressing her. He says, ma'am, You are more stressful than this delay. That is enough. And everyone was like giggling, like watching this go down. And she goes, well, well, could you imagine being married to me? And he goes, no, I could not. But also, why was that her comeback? Anyway, long story short, her husband was shrinking down in the seat. And this woman was manifesting on the plane because of a delay. I feel like we do the same thing in transition and change when there's delays, when we're frustrated, when things don't look like what we thought they would. Remember actually being on a plane frustrated in that transition that I was talking about three years ago, hoping and wishing that it would be over. And then when that transition was over, we were about to step into 2020. Anybody else? Were you all like super excited for 2020? It just sounded so cool. And on New Year's Eve, you're like taking selfies with your friends. We're stepping into the greatest year ever. And then it wasn't, right? It was just difficult. It was trying. It was hard. But while I was on a plane, uh, God gave me this scripture When I was in the middle of transition, complaining about transition, when God was like, Andy, you've been crying out for change and I am shifting things in your life and you are being entitled about the way you want me to do things. Am I God or am I not God? Is your life submitted to me or not? And I was like, geez, oh my gosh, He brought me back to Exodus. Now, many of you have maybe read this passage of scripture before, but you know those moments where scripture reads you in a way where you're like, whoa, I don't know why I haven't seen this. Well, I want you to go with me to Exodus 16 verses one through three. Exodus 16, verses one through three. Now, the children of Israel, what what's happened? They have just left their captivity. Isn't it interesting, though, that Egypt was a place of salvation for them in the drought? That when Joseph was there, they all came there to to literally be saved and redeemed and, and to continue on as a people. But then it became a place of captivity. So it was time to transition and move out of that place. For some of you, I feel like that's a word. The truth is some of those places where deliverance came, God is going, this cycle isn't working anymore. I have new for you. It's like Isaiah 43. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And we're like, what do you mean? No, I don't perceive it. He's like, forget the former things. We have to sometimes forget the former things because to move forward, we actually have to do something different. Otherwise, what are we doing? We're taking new wine and pouring it into an old wineskin and that wineskin is going to burst. So back here in Exodus 16 verses one through three, the children of Israel have been delivered. They have been set free from captivity, from slavery. And meanwhile, what do they do? They start to complain about the way the transition is happening in their lives. It says this, they set out from Elam, You, there's got to be someone to blame, right? When we're going through pain or transition, you, it's your fault. For you brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Huh. When I read that, do you know what stood out to me? When we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. That stood out to me because it was one of those things where when the Holy Spirit spoke to me, he said, Andy, I am trying to move you from point A to point B. I am trying to answer your prayers in the way that I am God and you are not God of this situation, but you are asking to sit around your meat pots in your captivity. Instead, I am about to provide manna from you, from heaven, to care for you, to provide for you, to move you forward in the middle of this transition. And I just think we need to ask ourselves, Are we like the children of Israel in the changes that God has us in? Are we sitting there angry at him because he's actually answering our prayers, but not in the blueprint that we told him we want him to answer it in for us? You know, I thought it was interesting too that the Israelites would rather die in transition, or actually would rather go back to captivity than on the way to their promise, that they, they would rather go back to the old ways than go through the pain and the shifting of season that it takes, the stretching to become a different person so that when you step into the promise, into what is new, into what God has for you, that you will be the person that you need to be with the capacity that you need to have so that you can move forward. So what I wanna do as you watch this today So I actually really want to encourage you because God has not stopped speaking to me about transition and shifting of seasons and doing it well. Why is this message called the teacher named transition? Well, because transition can be your teacher or it can take you out and we get to decide. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Andy, if you would just let transition be your teacher you could move forward and grow. So I pray that we'll grow together today. We'll move forward in the season that we find ourselves in on planet earth as the body of Christ, as his people. I pray that it would inspire you to move forward. And I do actually prophetically believe that even as you listen, God is gonna show you that he is birthing things through your life right now, right now, even though it is painful. So just a couple of things to encourage you today. Number one is this, we've gotta count the cost of change. When we're walking through transition or praying for change, we have got to count the cost of change. Why? Because if we're crying out for change, if we go up on that altar call, if we cry out to God in the secret place and we're asking him, God, would you change my life? God, I want to be married. God, I want to have children. God, I, I want a new job. God, I pray that you, you would move me into my dream. God, I ask that you would give me stewardship responsibility over A, B, and C. We better count the cost of that change because guess what that means? It means life is not going to be the same. It means stewardship responsibility. It means that things are going to get stretching. It means that things are going to be hard. And and I think a lot of times we don't count the cost of change. I, I laugh a lot because there are people, I, I we pastor in New York City and, and there are people that are like, God's calling me to New York. I just feel it in my bones. And I'm like, okay, well, let me tell you just literally the cost financially of living in New York. And then there's that spiritual cost of, uh, it's a city that just brings stuff up in you. Like I think when Frank Sinatra said, if you can make it there, you'll make it anywhere. It's because this city will pummel you and it will either bring out the best or the worst in you. And so you, you tell people this, like there's a, count, a, a, a cost that you need to count as you choose to come to New York City and lay down your life. And I always find it interesting that when people say, God's called me there, I don't say this to them, but in my heart, in my head, I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. The fruit will be the fruit. Oftentimes, three to six months in, people go, you know, like the Lord changed his mind, I'm called back somewhere else. And and that's okay. But the truth is, I think a lot of times we can begin to resent the cost of whatever it is that God is calling us to. Any of you think about, like take a moment, make this personal. What have you been asking God for? Maybe it's healing in your marriage. Well, there's some work to do then. We we get called to the carpet to do the work to build a healthier marriage. Maybe you are crying out for a child. You have a child now, or you are, you're pregnant with a child and you're going, this is difficult. I, I'm exhausted. I didn't know what this was going to be like. Um, even getting married, you guys, like I remember when I got married, I used to have my quiet times at night, like in bed alone with the candles lit, put on worship music. And then I got married and my husband was like there, you know, and when I would light the candles and turn on music, he's like, hello. I was like, oh, no, I was going to spend time with Jesus. <laughs> but the truth is, it's like you have to count the cost of what it looks like when God begins to change your life. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you'll begin to resent the cost and get angry about it. You'll, you know, We're, we're told pick up your cross and follow Jesus daily. What does that mean? We pick up our cross so that we can die to self and walk in his resurrection life on a daily basis. But often what we're doing halfway through a transition is we're throwing the cross back down and going, not your will, but mine be done, right? And we have to count the cost. Number two is this, you've got to recognize transition when you're in it. Again, we as the global church, we as a people on planet earth, we are in a major shift that is taking place. But we have get, got to get good at recognizing transition when you're in it. Because if you don't recognize when you're in the middle of a shift, you'll start to cut people's heads off. You'll get angry. You'll blame people. Just like the people of Israel blamed Moses and Aaron, you brought us out here to die. It's like, no, God is actually answering your prayers and delivering you and setting you free. And you are in transition. You're just not recognizing it. I remember. When uh, my parents were moving, like I told you, I felt, it's so funny because I, I, in the time that they were here in New York, like our God just restored our relationship in so many ways. So when they were leaving, I felt like a five-year-old kid who was saying goodbye to their parents and it broke my heart. And I remember they were living with us uh, for that last month before they left and I just could not stop the grief from flowing. And uh, we had just gotten this brand new washing machine. And if you live in New York, and we'd moved into a new apartment, so we got a washing machine, which having a washer and dryer in your house is like a really big deal in your apartment. And so I was down there, but the spin cycle was broken. It wasn't working. And I had thrown a load in there and it was like wobbling again. And I just remember screaming as loud as I could and hitting the top of the washing machine, bruising my hands. I hit it so hard. And I remember seeing one of my kids walk down the stairs They're like, and then they saw me scream and they walked right back up the stairs. And I just remember screaming and like sobbing over the washing machine not working. And the Holy Spirit goes, hey, Andy. This isn't about the washing machine. I'm like, well, what's it about then? And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you're in transition. And yes, your father and your mother are leaving you, but I am your father. I am always present. And I remember just sobbing and sitting on top of the washing machine, trying to get it to work. And I felt like the Lord was just leading me into a new season where I needed to grow up in some things. And if I didn't recognize that I was in transition, that I was in the middle of change, you know, the truth is, is I was angry. I was taking it out on people. And we've got to be careful and recognize transition when we're in it. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 through 30. And the message is so powerful. It says, are you tired? Yes. Worn out, burned out on religion? Yes. This is like the global church right now, right? Come to me, get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I mean, I think about this at weddings. Anybody else love to dance at weddings? I mean, I love a good wedding. And I usually say goodbye to my husband who will have a deep and meaningful conversation like with one or two people the whole time. And I am out sweating on the dance floor. And I love watching people dance at weddings too, especially when they have no rhythm. It's like so fun. So you know when the song changes how like you're like doing the robot? Okay, because everyone, we all do the robot, right? Because that was the right rhythm. But then it changes to a waltz and someone's still doing the robot. You're like, that that doesn't work. Like to a song where you're supposed to slow dance. And I think a lot of times this is what we do when God is trying to move us from one season to the next. When we're in the middle, when we're in transition, the song has changed The grace has lifted, but we are still dancing to the rhythm of the last season. He's like, no, you need to find the new rhythm of grace in the season that you're in. So you need to recognize transition when you're in it, when the grace has lifted. And he's saying, hey, let's dance to a new song together. Number three is this. You got to realize that disorientation is normal in transition. Disorientation is normal in transition. Anybody else feel disoriented in this season? Right now, I do. I know there's a lot of things that I'm still walking through and the change that's happening in my personal life, of my children, in our church, um, with different things that I'm leading and a part of. I'm like, whew, it's so much change and there's a lot of disorientation. When I first moved to Australia in my early 20s, I mean, all I knew was small town America that I grew up in. And I went there and I remember standing in the grocery aisle and awkwardly crying, looking around at all the products going, I don't know what any of these things are. Like, it was so stupid. But I remember feeling so disoriented. And in that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit just said to me, Hey, Andy, these people are your people. I need you to not think about your meat pots but integrate here. These are your people now. And it was okay that I was disoriented, but I needed to learn the ways of the people that God had called me to literally for a 10-year period. Imagine I would have um, just been angry for 10 years talking about America the whole time. That would have gone really well. Um, That doesn't work. And I was just stuck in my disorientation. I needed to have grace for myself in the disorientation, but I also needed to understand that I was stepping into something new. So that disorientation was normal. So some of you need to have grace for yourself in the shifting and the changing that you find yourself in. Number four is this. Don't fight transition. Pain is normal in the shifting of seasons. Don't fight transition. Pain is normal in the shifting of seasons. I think a lot of times when the pain comes in the middle of transition, we don't want to face it. So what do we do? We numb the pain or we become codependent on someone. I find that we do one of the other one one of one or the other. Either we are looking to somebody else to fix the issue, or blaming somebody else for the issue that we're in, or we are numbing the pain by doing things. Maybe it is excessive drinking. Maybe it is watching too many shows, binge watching television. Television where normally watching that is fine, but watching it days upon days upon days and like ignoring the rest of the world. You got to pay attention, take stock, take inventory. Are you ignoring some pain that God wants to face with you through the season that you are walking through? The truth is John 15 has been a comfort to me over this last year, year and a half. Um there's been so much pruning, so much shaking, so much cutting off that I'm like, God, are we just going to walk around like, you know, naked for the rest of our lives? Is there ever going to be flourishing again? He's like, I am like a good father and a good gardener. There is pain in the shifting of seasons, but there is a reason for the pain that you walk through. And and the truth is too, is we avoid pain, but pain is trying to tell us something. Usually God wants to heal something in our hearts. He wants to heal something in our lives. And he doesn't want us to leave him out of the equation. We need to grab the healer, Jesus Christ, by the hand and go, God, I am ready to walk into the middle of pain with you so that we can face this together. John 15, let's read it. Verses one through four, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more, become even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain. Remain in me as I also remain in you. You, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain. Do you hear that? The word remain is so many more times in the passage of John 15. Remain, 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 remain. Meanwhile, when we walk through pain, when God cuts something off, we're offended. Like, God, why did you cut that relationship off? Or well, it wasn't bearing any fruit. When he prunes something, we feel like, Like, uh, our ego is tested. Is it not? God's like, no, I want this to bear more fruit. It's imprudent that this happens. Why? And what do we have to do in the middle of that pain? We have to choose to remain. Remain in community. Remain in the vine. Remain in the word. Remain in prayer. Remain in worship. Remain, 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 remain. Because if we try to do this some way else, somewhere else, we cannot bear fruit. And it's clear in John 15. We have to abide. We have to remain to be able to take heart. to be able to dream again, to lead again, to be inspired and move forward. This is the other thing we've got to understand. Number five is that grief is normal and necessary in transition. And I'm talking about grief of any kind. Truth is, this could be the death of a loved one, or the death of a season, or the death of a dream, or the death of what you thought life was going to look like. Maybe you had plans and they have all come crashing to the ground. I believe that God is desiring that you would dream again. That you would see what God sees. But you do have to walk through, gr- through grief. A lot of times, here's what we have to understand. If you don't walk through the grieving process, that grief stores up in your body and it will come out some way, somehow, someday, at some time that you are unaware and it will hit you hard. Here it, s- it says this in Matthew 5:4: Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those, or blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Some of you are so angry, so frustrated, so sad. You don't feel like you've been comforted, but some of you, guess what your homework is? After this message is done, is to turn off your computer or your television, wherever you're watching from, and go and get in your prayer closet closet, and just sob. Cry out to God, grieve, face the pain, walk through it with Jesus. Let Him hold you and comfort you because we have all lost so much in so many ways, and He wants us to move forward in strength with Him. But you do have to grieve to move forward. Some of you got to remember too you know what? You're not where you want to be, but you're also not where you were. You have made progress. Be encouraged. Don't give up. Keep going. Amen. All right, just a couple of more, and then I'm going to pray for you. Number six, we've got to have vision in transition. We've got to have vision in transition. This is very important. Yes, we've got to face grief and the tension and all of these different things and find the rhythm of grace. And gosh, there's so many things, but also we've got to shift and begin to have vision and faith and hope again. We've we've got to be able to go, God, what are you doing? Like, I, I don't want to just look at the carnage and the loss and the pain. I want to see what you see, God. You know, when I um, am pregnant, I I have four beautiful children, 15, 14, almost 13, and eight years old. And my mom was a doula, so uh, I just grew up knowing about natural childbirth. So I had all my kids naturally, and I am, you know what, get all the drugs, do it however you wanna do it, just inform yourself. But for me, there was a part of it for me where feeling the pain in labor made me know what my body was doing, knowing what, the pro- what process was happening. But there's this point in labor where, you know what? I can do eight minutes apart. I can do five minutes apart. I can do kind of three minutes apart, but the moment transition hits is when you have contraction on top of contraction on top of contraction with no breath and no rest in between. Those are the moments on the movies where you see the wife grabbing her husband by the shirt going, you did this to me, yelling at the midwife, asking for all the drugs and The midwife meanwhile is saying, you know what, you're about to push and that baby's about to be in your arms and you're like, I hate everyone. Like This is actually what happens in the middle of transition in real life too. Not just when we are giving birth, but when we're giving birth to something new and the spiritual and the physical, the pain of transition makes us wanna give up. So this is why we have to have vision. For me, look, I've seen ultrasounds of my children, but I have never seen the face that God created. And so I get into the zone, that athlete zone where I mean I did sports my whole life. I get into that zone where I'm like, you know what? I've got this. One more push, one more contraction. And and I just can't wait. My vision, you know what the vision is? Is I can't wait to see what this child's beautiful face looks like. What God have you created and knit together in my womb? And I tell you what, the moment transition is over and that baby is in my arms and I am staring at the vision that was in my heart that God created within my womb, as I hold it in my arms, I am in awe of God. And that's the moment where you say to your husband again, as the oxytocin like pumps through your veins, you're like, let's do this again, this is amazing. <laughs> But it's the same when we are birthing something in the spiritual, when God is asking us to move forward, we're crying out, we're screaming, this hurts, it's too hard. And he's saying, no, I need you to see how I see because you're right around the corner of probably holding that dream in your arms, of realizing that dream and seeing what God has been doing all along. So don't give up. Here's the last one and then I'm gonna pray for you is, ask God, what can I learn in transition? ask him, what can I learn in transition? I love Psalm 139. And I remember when I first got saved being so in awe of how deeply God knew me. Do you remember when you first got saved, how the word of God just came alive in this way where you're like, I can't believe speaking to me we need to remain in that childlike state we need to fight for that childlikeness we need to ask God restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me when I read Psalm 139 after reading like how it doesn't matter how far I run if I hide in the darkness or turn my back on him God knows where I am he knit me together in my mother's womb but then the cry of the psalmist's heart at the very end is what search my heart O God Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any way offensive in me and then lead me in the way of everlasting. I think while we're in transition, when we're in the middle of change, the greatest thing we can do every morning is lay our hearts bare before God and go, search my heart, oh God. I want to carry what you want me to carry. I want to dream with you, God. I want to be inspired by what you have for me. I want to take heart and step in. I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, renew a right spirit within me. Search my heart. God, in this tearing, in this transition, in this shaking, in this pruning, God, what do you have for me? And who do you want me to become? How can I become more like your son? I pray that as you have heard this today, that you're encouraged, you're not alone. We are all walking through some form of change in our lives and God is with you and he is for you. And honestly, he wants transition to be a teacher for you because I tell you what, the enemy would love to teach you in transition as well. So let's allow God to be our teacher in the middle of change. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm blown away by your radical love for us in our imperfection, in our whining, moaning, and complaining when we become like the Israelites and seem ungrateful and even are ungrateful sometimes and entitled, I know at least I am. God, may we lay our hearts bare before you. Would you reveal to us what you're doing In the crushing, and the pressing, when you are making new wine, as we sing that song and really want the new wine, but want you to do it another way besides crushing and pressing. God, if we are in the middle of that crushing and pressing season, would you just comfort those who mourn? Would you be close to them as they walk through the pain? Would you heal their hearts and heal their minds? Would you give them divine inspiration once again? Would you show them, God, what you're doing? Would you be near to them and comfort them and call them close? We trust you. Again, God, we end with trust. We lean into you and everything that you are doing on the earth and everything that you are doing in and through us, we give our lives to you once again. In Jesus' name, amen.